When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. Mike McDaniel back out on paternity leave. That's right. His wife, I think, has just had another kid within uh, about a three-month span, so... Uh, congratulations to him. Send him your best wishes on on the Twitters and everything. Um, kind of a, a stressful, crazy time in his life, I'm sure. But uh, you know, he could he would really appreciate your good vibes and not checking the math on that. Um, of course, I am I am kidding. Mike actually is out uh, tonight and, and this week. He closed on their very first house today. Uh, as I record this on Monday evening, they are neck deep in packing as they prepare to move tomorrow. So, uh, Mike ultimately got the executive veto tonight, we'll say, and uh, Mike was not available as he uh, continues to help pack and prepare to move tomorrow. Um, these are things that happen when, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a not even really a fully on, full-on uh, side hustle. This just sort of happens at times. So, Mike should be in the new house and ready to go for our week six preview here later this week. But for now, you're stuck with me. Uh, it is just me here to recap week five. Thankfully, I think I got a, a decent sense of how a lot of these games went. So um, I, I will do my very best to give you kind of a sense of how those how these games went. But um, I am very likely going to be making a couple of things up here and saying a couple of incorrect things. So please do correct us uh, if I do say something that is incorrect. Um, I, I will be available on Twitter to make any corrections as necessary. I am at FTRS Joey or alternately our customer service line can be reached at Mike McDaniel SI. So uh, please tweet us there if something incorrect is said here. Let's jump in. Week five, a lot of good games in the ACC, I thought, and, and none better than the headliner of the weekend. They got college game day and everything. The number five Clemson Tigers, 30. The number 10 NC State Wolfpack, 20. A, a banger of a game on Saturday night. It was a kind of a slow, steady performance. It was 13-10 to 10 at halftime. Clemson finally pulls away in the fourth quarter and, and kind of puts this thing out of reach. I thought this was a really well-played game. I thought Clemson in particular looked really good. Their their defense really stepped up. Uh, one of the better performances we've seen from them in a little while. Uh, the way that they just they gave NC State's offense all sorts of problems all night long. Um, so I was really impressed with the way that the defense played, and, and I thought the coaching. You know, we've we've had a couple of concerns about that so far in the post Brent Venables era at at Clemson, but. I did not think that that was really a concern in this game. Uh, the Clemson defense was there and, and putting up a really good fight all night long, so credit to them. I'll say this, too. Uh, for you know, for all of our talk in week one or so about how we were, uh, we were really just getting ourselves to the club level and, and this was going to be Cade Klubnick's Clemson offense here sooner than later, Cade Klubnick's Clemson offense. Uh, say that ten times fast. Big Cinco looked good again. And I think things are kind of starting to click into place for him. And I, I don't know that he is quite as dynamic or amazing as Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence were for Clemson. But that's a hell of a high bar to clear. And it's not really a fair expectation of, I, I think, almost anybody at this point. And so um, huge credit to him. He played well yet again. He did not turn the ball over. Uh, 21 of 30 for 209 and a touchdown, no picks through the air. 14 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And that, that I think, really is where the difference is made, is when not only – I mean, DJU, Big Cinco, he's always been able to run – but I think there's been a hesitancy from the Clemson coaching staff to actually run him, considering last year it was like him and then like walk-ons, basically on the depth chart. But that's probably the biggest difference that Cade Klubnick is making right now, is realizing that there is a plan B if and when DJU is to go down with an injury. So it gives a little bit more freedom to say, yeah, let's use him in the run game. He can you know, take a couple more hits, and he's a, he's a big physical guy anyways, so you figure he's able to withstand a little bit of you know, physical punishment that comes with running the ball. But 
the gain that you're getting on offense from that has been enormous. Um, Clemson still struggled to run the ball, I think, otherwise. You know, Will Shipley, 14 carries for 60 yards, you know, barely over four yards a carry. Phil Maffa, about four yards a carry. Um, so nothing really truly outstanding from Clemson on offense, and I really thought part of that was a testament to the NC State defense as well. Um, those guys showed up to play as well. I thought they played a pretty pretty good game, all told. You know, it ultimately, like, my, my heart hurts for NC State and their fans in this one. I mean, I know how bad you wanted this, how long you've been waiting for it. Uh, this game in particular, I mean, you've been thinking about this and, and wanting it basically since it, the schedules were announced back in, what, January? Um, so to lose this and, and just, you know, a couple of the plays here or there that just didn't go your way, and, and that, that sucks, and, and I hate that for them. Um, like I said, I mean, NC State's defense, I thought played well, you know, they recused themselves. Well, it was just, you know, a couple plays here, or there that really made the difference. A couple drives here, or there for Clemson in particular. Um, so I, you know, credit where it's due. I thought NC state acquitted themselves. Well, um, I, I do believe they dropped a little bit in the polls this week, but that really just has to be like the requisite you lost. So you can't stay in place. I mean, they're down to 14th, but I still think NC state, a really good team here. Devin Leary, I thought looked okay. His stat line doesn't look great, but man, I thought he got let down pretty badly by his wide receivers in this game. Uh, Thayer Thomas got 14 targets, nine catches, 84 yards. Uh, he was really good. Everybody else, I, I thought there were a bunch of drops. There were struggles to get open. Um, th there were just a number of things that were happening from NC State's receivers, not named Thayer Thomas, that were not helping Devin Leary at all. Um, and in fact, the, the interception that's charged to Devin Leary on the, on the stat sheet the throw that he made, I mean, it wasn't perfectly on target. It was a little bit behind a receiver who was stopping, but it was in a window that he had to throw the ball. The receiver tipped the ball up, and it falls right into the lap of a Clemson receiver. So without being tipped, I don't even think that ball is caught. I think it's just an incomplete pass. But instead, it turns into an interception. I believe Clemson got a short field off of that as well at some point in the third quarter. So, again, I I think Clemson, NC State played well. I just think this was a really good performance from Clemson in front of their home crowd. And one of the best – Clemson performances we've seen in quite a while and it's just kind of an example uh, of the unfortunate reality of college football in this day and age where Clemson is one of the most talented teams in the country and when a team that's that talented puts it together for a full four quarters like this and especially at home in front of that home crowd and, and getting the home field advantage it's like there's only so much you're going to be able to do. And, and I thought NC State, again, a veteran team with, with plenty of good players of their own, and, and I thought they played reasonably well, but just was not enough to, to get it done here. So huge credit to Clemson. I think they're putting it together. And, and I know that the sticking point especially has been offense. And I, I think ultimately it's fair to say maybe that this offense is still not what you would you would maybe expect from it if you just look at like the recruiting accolades of all the players on the offense. But I do think it is still like in a it's becoming an above average offense. Uh, it's it's improved over the course of this season, and, and I know there was the coordinator changeover this this uh, this off season with Tony Elliott leaving finally. Um, so this is kind of a, a new thing that's taken a few games, but it seems like things are starting to click a little bit for that offense. It it, it looks better than it did week one against Georgia Tech. I'll say that, and so I think there's there's some hope for Clemson here. They might be building towards another playoff appearance and kind of getting to that place late in the season that we know that Clemson can get to with uh, an uber-talented roster and, and a, and a well-coached team, and especially on defense. Again, I mean, what we saw on Saturday was, was really impressive, and I think that would translate against almost anybody they'll play later this season or even you know into the postseason. So credit where it's due. Uh, credit to Clemson for a really well-played game. Credit to NC State. I, I thought they played well, just – Kind of got outplayed here, unfortunately, and, and that's the way that it goes. So, uh, Clemson thirty, NC State twenty. Um, ultimately, the postgame win expectancy. I was surprised to see this from from Bill C. Ninety two point three percent to Clemson. Um, so it, it was a ten point game, but it was ultimately it was a game that Clemson was almost certainly going to win with the way that it was was played out. So, number five Clemson thirty, number ten NC State twenty. We'll keep moving here. Number 22, Wake Forest, 31. Number 23, Florida State, 21. Another really well-played game. Same channel, time slot right before this. It was the 3.30 game on ABC. I thought this was a really well-played game. Florida State acquitted themselves well in a game where they lost by 10 points. And Wake Forest, holy hell, credit to them for the way that they got up off the deck 
after losing in, in an overtime emotional game last week at Clemson, going on the road into a hostile environment and winning the way that they did here, I, I was incredibly impressed with how well Wake Forest played here. Um, Sam Hartman looked good again. Stat line wasn't amazing. I thought some of that was a credit to Florida State's defense. I thought they played quite well in this game um, for for a, a talented Wake Forest offense and and, and one that is really obviously well coached and, and has a long track record of putting up a lot of points. You know, they, they kept Wake in check for a lot of this game. Um, Wake, you know, had, had some moments running the ball, especially later in the game. They had a long drive in the fourth quarter um, to really kind of put this game away and, and keep Florida State from being able to rally late. Um, yeah, Wake, <laughs> Wake gets the ball back with about nine and a half minutes on the clock. They go 18 plays, 66 yards, and six and a half minutes. Basically kill the clock, give themselves a 10-point lead, and that was that. Um, Florida State ends up going down 10 plays, 38 yards. They miss a field goal with about a minute left, and that was officially that. But uh, for Wake Forest to put together that drive at that point in the game and avoid a potential overtime situation, something like that, as they were only they were only leading by seven at the time. So – uh, I thought that was really impressive. I, I, I just I was impressed by both of these teams in, in kind of in different ways. You know, this is a little bit more of what we'd expect on any given week from Wake Forest lately. But Florida State, too. I mean, again, a team that is improving, that is so much better visually than they were at this time last year. And you can see that Mike Norvell and that, that coaching staff, they're building something here. There is really some improvement that you're seeing kind of all across the board. The defense is playing really well, I think. They, they've improved quite a bit. The offensive line is competent for the first time since, oh, I don't know, Jimbo left. Uh, that's, been, that's been a long time ago. So they're building something here. I think the, the real question is going to become, you know, and I don't want to focus on next year as we're in the middle of a season. The only question in my mind as they continue to build this is what's the plan when Jordan Travis leaves? And I think that's the thing that you got to figure out. But otherwise, I mean, what I'm seeing right here, I think it's pretty clear Florida State's one of like the four best teams in the ACC. I mean, you look at some of the remaining schedule. Again, you got at NC State and home against Clemson the next two weeks. But I mean, Georgia Tech, Miami, at Syracuse, Louisiana, and Florida. Like, this is going to be like a, a at least a seven eight win Florida State team. That's before they really upset anybody. Um, so I, I, I was I just I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I thought that both of these teams played well. Um, there were a couple of moments here or there. I know Florida State struggled uh, at the, in the red zone a couple times. They missed a couple opportunities. Uh, they had the ball right before halftime uh, inside the red zone and missed a field goal, so they came away without any points there. Uh, there were a couple of turnovers here. I, I think Florida – or just one, actually. Florida State minus one in turnovers. So, overall, not, not sloppy in any way. Just, again, one team made more plays and, and credit to them. So, Wake Forest, again, bounces back in a pretty impressive and unbelievable fashion, I thought, and, uh, and gets this win on the road in a really, really tough spot for them. They win 31-21 over Florida State. Wake coming up, they got Army next week and then a bye week before taking on Boston College and Louisville. Um, so Wake Forest, I, I think, in position to kind of go on a, a run and stay within the top 25, stay ranked. They're, down to, they're up to 15 this weekend, right behind NC State. So... Credit to the Deeks. I, 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 I was thinking about this. You know, we talk about Clemson, NC State, Wake, and Florida State. I'm sitting here thinking to myself earlier today, and I'm going to float this to Mike on probably on our uh, preview here later this week. If I start naming off the best teams in the ACC, how many teams do I name before I name somebody from the Coastal Division? And, and think about that, because I, the first four teams that I would name – really without hesitation, are Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, and Florida State. And then the question becomes, is anybody in the Coastal Division better than, I don't know, Syracuse? Syracuse has looked pretty decent, pretty you know, pretty well put together. Um, and, and we'll talk about them here in a, in a little bit. But, uh, you know, Syracuse is a fully capable team. They're, they're ranked now this week. Like, is there anyone in the Coastal that can match that? Is it North Carolina? Miami hadn't looked great. We'll talk about Pitt here in a second. They had a moment this weekend. Like the ACC Atlantic might have the five best teams in the in, in the uh, in, in the ACC this year, and, and that's I think that's kind of just interesting and, and and unusual, but something that very much could be true. And, and of course, I think all five of those are ranked as well. So 
uh, credit to them. And, and by the way, who is the, once again, who is the best team in the Coastal? Because it might be Duke. Think on that. Let's move on uh, to a Coastal Division game. And uh, speaking of, Georgia Tech, 26, the number 24 Pitt Panthers, 21. Georgia Tech, a three-touchdown underdog in this game. They go in and they win the game on the field in Pittsburgh. Uh, They get Brent Key, his first win as Georgia Tech's head coach. I cannot tell you how happy I was for him. Uh, watching him in the post-game interview and how he was pretty clearly choking back tears uh, for how happy he was, I, I just I was so thrilled for him. I know he's a guy who he played at Georgia Tech. He loves the Institute, um, and he's a guy who I think this, this would be his dream job if he were to be hired full-time, and so you could just tell how much it meant to him and, and what a big deal it was, and so I, I just it made me really happy to see how happy he was and, and that the players were able to get this done for him. Um, Georgia Tech in general, I, I'll say this. Um, I, I don't know that they necessarily played well here. I think they were maybe a little bit better. Someone asked me the other day, you know, what was what was the difference here? What did you see from Georgia Tech in this game that was different from what you have seen from Georgia Tech this so far this year? And I don't know that there were any major discernible differences. I think one of them, you know, there were some a couple of personnel changes. Um, Hassan Hall gets the start at running back and really played almost the entire game in the backfield for Georgia Tech. He got 20 carries for 157 yards, uh, almost had a touchdown, but was called down short uh, on at least one occasion. Um, so he he ended up being uh, one of the ACC players of the week as a uh, as the running back of the week. Um, I know the kicker position, uh, Gavin Stewart gets his first chance to be the place kicker in quite a while. Goes a casual four for four. And two for two on extra points, two, four for four on, uh, on on field goals. By the way, I I mean that's something that has been completely and totally missing under Jeff Collins. As much as he loved loved talking about all things special teams and how important special teams were and how hard they worked, the kicking game has been just nothing short of a, a disaster and a constant adventure in the worst way. And for game one to come out and kick four field goals, make all of them, I you know, it's like I don't know what what Brent Key did in practice. I'm pretty sure you don't teach somebody to kick in four days or, you know, a couple hours here or there. So maybe just a coincidence. But, you know, certainly the, the personnel change there would be something that he did. And then I felt like the defense maybe played a little bit more aggressive, a little faster, a little bit more physical than I'm used to seeing them. But I don't know if there's anything really truly discernibly different in, in that way. I think Georgia Tech, honestly, truthfully, I, I don't love saying something like this, but if I'm being really, really honest, I think Georgia Tech kind of got lucky to win this game. Um, they hit five or six big plays on offense, and they were plus three in turnovers. And I think that's why you saw them win this game, ultimately. Um, Pitt, I thought, was – and. We'll, we'll talk about this here in, in a little bit in kind of a different way. Pitt had a, a, a bit of a mess of a game here. Um, Keaton Slovis did not look good for the most part. The stat line doesn't look terrible. 26 of 45 for 305, three touchdowns and a pick. But I think a majority of that came like in the fourth quarter when you're down a couple scores and Georgia Tech's kind of playing prevent a little bit. Um, he struggled for a, a lot of this game. Um, he has issues, man. Keaton Slovis holds onto the ball way too long, man. You got to get rid of that thing. He can, he takes hits. He he waits and, and doesn't throw balls when guys are open, and and they end up getting covered up. Like it is not a great look, and, and it is a little bit frustrating. I don't know. Pitt did pass more in this game, but again, they were down in the second half and trying to come back a little bit, which would kind of explain that. But I. I don't know. It's Pitt couldn't get a whole lot of anything working in this game on offense. And, and really when they did, they'd get a couple of first downs and then it would be a penalty or, you know, a, a sack or something and, and things would stall out. Pitt was penalized 12 times for 75 yards in this game, by the way. Yeah, not a great look. Um, they, they just really struggled on offense. It really didn't help that Izzy Abanacanda left this game in the second quarter. Um, he did not return. He was in street clothes and seemed to have his arm in a sling the the second half. So that's not a good sign. I don't know that we've found out a whole lot more about what's going on there, but he's he's a big deal. He's the best part of their offense this year. Um, Vincent Davis did, I think, acquit himself pretty well carrying the load for Pitt. 
Um, he, he 15 carries for 80 yards. That'll work. Um, Pitt's receivers struggled in this game too. So it's not it's not just Slovis holding onto the ball, occasionally inaccurate, but also I mean you had Pitt receivers struggling to catch. Um, it, I don't know. Something just looked off about Pitt in this game. They did not look like they were ready to play. Um, I don't know if they just thought they were going to be able to walk through walk through this one, you know, against a, a down and, and rough Georgia Tech team. I don't know if some of the elements at play, you know, it was kind of rainy and gross all day, but Pitt just struggled for so much of this game. I mean, if you look at the drive chart, I mean, it's three and out, three and out, three and out, seven plays, 26 yards punt, nine plays turnover on downs, eight plays touchdown, and that's in the first half. So they score a touchdown at the very end. And then it's 10 plays fumble, six plays punt, five plays interception, one play fumble, five plays punt, nine plays touchdown, six plays touchdown. And that was it. So I don't know how many possessions that was exactly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. The first 11 times that they had the ball, I mean, it was what, one touchdown, three turnovers, and seven punts, including like three three and outs to start the game. Yeah, just not not great from Pitt's offense. I mean, a little bit of credit to Tech's defense. Charlie Thomas came into this game at halftime uh, after he missed the first half with a, uh, I guess, a targeting suspension from last week. And uh, just out of nowhere, he like ends up being the player of the game. Uh, he came out, he came down with an interception that he just basically took a ball from a Pitt receiver who was trying to make a catch. Uh, wanted it more. There was that. He also recovered a fumble. I think that Ace Ely maybe knocked out or, or somebody else knocked out. Uh, he only played a half of football, comes up with two turnovers, makes like, you know, seven tackles. He's the team's second leading tackler. So you can tell how much he means to Georgia Tech's defense. I could go on about this. All I'm saying, I, I Pitt, I don't know how good Pitt is, man. I, I don't know. That defense is still pretty good. They, they had a couple of rough moments where they gave up big plays to Georgia Tech, but otherwise they were pretty good from down to down. This Pitt offense is inconsistent. It is inconsistent and struggles from down to down, drive to drive, game to game, and it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be tough to be anything other than kind of what you've been under Pat Narduzzi with not you know other than last year. They were going you know last year they were what eleven and three, but other than that, they've been like a seven and five team basically the whole time he's been there, and that's what you're gonna be this year with the way that this offense is looking right now. So, um, again, we'll we'll talk about kind of. Some of our thoughts on Pitt and uh, how people feel about that here shortly, but we'll we'll get there. Um, overall, but once again, credit to Georgia Tech. You got it done, uh, made a couple plays when you needed to, and got the win for Brent Key. We did have a couple of questions real quick that came in from Alex Sakar on Twitter for the Georgia Tech portion of the pod. He says, number one, my wife asks the all-important question, does Georgia Tech win this game with Pitt if Collins isn't fired? Have to imagine no, but this game was an implosion for Pitt offensively, so maybe it's a coincidence. Possible it's a coincidence. I'm with you, Alex. No, I don't think that they win this game with Collins on the sideline. Um, once again, this this team under Collins, I mean, Pitt would have would have just bowled over him. They would have run this ball probably 40 times for like 250 yards. Uh, Pitt is more physical, and any time under Collins, that just never really played well against Georgia Tech. They, they never really had a chance. They would have folded up. They would have quit. I think that that was maybe one thing that, that the players you know responded to Brent Key in a way that they have not to Collins is, again, you can't teach a team to be physical in just like a week, but I think you can at least put a little bit of a sense of like, I don't want to disappoint my coach. And, and toughness and physicality being one thing that, that Key definitively expects, I think, is something that uh, might have made a somewhat difference here with the, the defense being able to go blow for blow with a, a physical Pittsburgh front. So there's that. The other question, since Georgia Tech isn't doing money down anymore, are third downs now called key plays in honor of the new coach? Does the Virginia Tech fan base allow this? I would offer that I think they're called third down. And, you know, I don't know, play Hell's Bells or play the, uh, the uh, oh, what is it, Adagio or whatever the band plays normally on third downs, whatever. I, we, don't, we don't need to brand third down. I think you you saw what happens when uh, something like that happens and it's not an organic thing. I don't know that anybody really took that seriously and honestly uh, it was it was kind of embarrassing for the longest time especially when this is one of the worst third down defenses in all of college football. So don't draw attention to something that you're not good at is is something I think I would start with. 
So just call him third down and maybe try to get some stops. That Georgia Tech, honestly, going back to like earlier in the Paul Johnson era, they have never been particularly good on third down, which is kind of just mind-numbing and bizarre and frustrating and all this stuff. So anyways, Georgia Tech, a, a good win here, uh, 26-21 over Pittsburgh. And don't look now. Georgia Tech, I mean, I know they're ranked 92nd in the uh, SP Plus right now, 87th on offense and 98th on defense. They have games remaining at number 87, Virginia Tech, home this week against number 80, Duke, and then in, t- in a couple of weeks after a bye week, home against number 78, Virginia. So you've got three teams on your schedule here coming up, and I believe they're your next three games, if I'm not mistaken, against teams that are no better than 78th in SP Plus right now. So I know what we think of Georgia Tech. I know what the predictions were coming into the season. I'm just saying there's some winnable games here in front of you that – um, sorry, there's a Florida State game in there, tucked in there. That's not a winnable game. But, you know, we talked about how the, the, the Coastal Division, not all that uh, not all that illustrious at the moment. And all these teams, I mean, who's the best team here? Might be Duke. Like, any of these games are winnable, I think. I, I, there's only about two games left on the schedule that I'm going to say are, are pretty much definitely going to be Georgia Tech losses at Florida State and uh, Thanksgiving weekend in Athens. Other than that, anyone else in the Coastal still on the schedule? I think that could that could be a win. It could be. I'm not saying it will be. I'm just saying it could be. 26-21 Georgia Tech winners over the Pitt Panthers. Let's take a break here real quick. Remind you about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for all great things Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, so if you were looking for something to wear to this Duke game here on on Saturday, I believe it's the homecoming game. So you got to look fancy. you got to look good. Know who you're supporting there. Go to Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. They've got T-shirts. they got sweatshirts. There's a little chill in the air now, as, there's, as, the, as the kids are saying. Uh, so go go get sweatshirts, hoodies, those things. Uh, they've got things in the official tech gold, all the official word marks, something for men, women, children, the whole family. All of it can go go get stuff for you at section103.com. And once again, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. I have some Section 103, plenty of it, and I love it, and I, I could not live without it. Uh, by the way, if you're not following Section 103 on Twitter or on Instagram, highly recommend that you do that. Because uh, as much as you know, ten percent off your first order is a wonderful deal. You could even get better deals if you're following them on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, following the win against Pittsburgh, they put out a deal that only on Sunday Georgia Tech beat number twenty-four Pittsburgh, and that meant everything in the store was twenty-four percent off. I had people texting me talking about how they were getting a bunch of Christmas presents. Uh, they were really getting after it. So. Keep an eye. Go follow them on, on social media once again at Section 103 on either Twitter or Instagram to be notified when they're going to run a special sale like this. They've been doing these things recently. They said that if not for the Pittsburgh win, they were considering a 10-3-103 day sale, uh, but they had a, a better reason for one here previously. So point is, go follow them on Twitter, on Instagram. Keep up with any deals that come up, but if there's uh, no active deals running, make sure you use promo code GOACC. For 10% off your first order at section103.com. Let's keep moving here. Uh, Boston College, 34. Louisville, 33. Um, credit where it's due. Boston College, I mean, first of all, Phil Dracovic's stat line looks ridiculous here. 18-21 for 304, three touchdowns, and he did have one pick. Um they didn't throw a ton of passes here. I mean, they, they ran the ball quite a bit more than they threw it. But when they threw it, uh, they, they got a lot out of it. Uh, about 14 and a half yards per attempt is uh, pretty damn good. I'll take that. Zay Flowers, five catches for 151 yards and two touchdowns, including a nice 69-yard touchdown reception at one point. I believe that was the one where he mossed two Louisville defenders. Um, so Boston College, you know, they, they, they did struggle at times to consistently move the ball, but they were able to rip off some big plays on a number of occasions during this game. Um, so real, really a lot of credit to them. On the Louisville end, I, I came away with from this feeling like this was, I mean, this is fireable. This is a fireable offense. Like this is a Boston College team whose offense has not had a whole lot of life so far, excuse me, so far all year. Um, they have struggled majorly. You gave up 34 points to them 
I mean, they just put up 14 against Florida State. They put up 10 against Virginia Tech. They Even in the season opener against Rutgers, put up 21 points. You gave up 34 points on a number of different coverage busts uh, and, and just bad, bad looking, you know, bad angles, bad tackling. The defense was, was really pretty bad in this game in, in so many moments and so many ways. Um, incredibly frustrating. I don't know if this is fireable for Scott Satterfield necessarily. Um, could be. And I wouldn't blame you if you did, honestly, with the way things are going and this, the way that this team is just so inconsistent and up and down. And I, I, there's not really, really a, a single thing that they're doing consistently well from week to week right now. And it's just kind of frustrating and mind-numbing in year four of this coaching staff. But the defense especially, I, I have not seen any indications that, I don't know, Brian Brown or you know, take your pick of anybody uh, on this Louisville coaching staff was relieved of their duties today. And I, I just kind of can't believe that um, th- this was so bad and, and just a bad look. And and if this is what you're going to do and what you're going to be, I, I know for a fact, like you're not going to be meeting your season goals at this point. Like the, the goals of having at least seven, if not eight, maybe nine wins. Like I, where are they on the schedule, man? This is rough. You've still got games left against Wake, Clemson, NC State, Kentucky. Uh, you're two and three. So, I mean, you're running out of games that you can reasonably win and be expected to win when they look as bad as they do here. They're 0-3 in conference right now. I mean, that loss to Florida State kind of looming large, that was a blown lead. Uh, you lost early in the season to Syracuse in just a total, total clunker of a game. I This is frustrating. I, I feel like I know where this is going to end up. It's similar to kind of where Georgia Tech was here a few weeks ago where it's like, I, I know what's going to happen. I just don't know when it's going to happen. And – that's the point where you kind of wonder, like, how much of this is worth kind of continuing to give Scott Satterfield chances and more rope. And honestly, I think this game coming up this weekend at Virginia might be his last stand. And I say that because this is a team that Louisville should be able to beat this Virginia team pretty handily. We'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, not only that, if you lose that game or, or it's even way too close, like a last-second comeback is needed, whatever – I mean, you're also coming up on the bye week, and that's that's the point when you, you want to do that, is is following Virginia, you've got a week off before you host Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and James Madison in consecutive weeks at home. So if you want to get the crowd back into it and interested, maybe make that coaching change prior to that bye week. Um, I, I've just, I, I'm so frustrated and kind of, I can't believe that this is where Louisville is at in, in year four. I thought if nothing else, I mean, we can call into question the recruiting over the last couple of years for Louisville. And I know this current class is really good, but um, the last few years, I mean, the, the recruiting has been underwhelming, but if, if nothing else, I mean, Scott Satterfield was able to draw up some ball plays and, uh, and, and get something going and, and just wasn't able to in this game. Uh, by the way, it would be remiss if I didn't mention Malik Cunningham did go out of this game. Um, he he took a shot. I think it was late third quarter, early fourth quarter. Um, it looked like a concussion thing. He came out for a play or two, went back in for like another drive or two, and then at some point he was just out. And it's kind of concerning. I didn't see him take an additional hit or shot anywhere that was like, oh, that's the one that knocked him out. He took a rough hit, played for another, you know, probably 10, 12, 15 offensive snaps. I think he ran the ball a couple times even, and then he leaves the game. Not a good look, especially on a weekend where uh, we saw kind of what happened to Tua on on Thursday night and kind of the, the, the fallout from that. Like, I don't know what happened there. Not a good look. Not a good look. This is frustrating for Louisville. And, and as a Louisville, Louisville fan, like, it's frustrating for me. Uh, I, I really felt like they should be better. I, they were two touchdown favorites in this game. And they lose it. And by the way, they lost it on a blocked extra point, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's your one-point margin of victory for Boston College. So that's further not a good look. Um, but once again, credit to Boston College. I mean, they hit some big plays. They really used Zay Flowers really well. Jalen Gill with a, a big 50-yard catch at one point. Um, you know, So credit to Boston College. I thought their defense played reasonably well. I do think this Boston College team – in some ways is like a less pronounced version of, I believe it was the 2014 team that had like a top five defense in the entire country and like a bottom five offense in the country. Um, This is definitely a Boston college team where the defense is better than the offense. um, And the defense is not bad. It's, 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 you know, I'd say it's average to above average, um, but the offense has been pretty rough, but it's not like totally dreadful. And as you saw here, I mean, 
they clearly have ways to to pick up chunk yards, big plays, and, and move the ball at times um, if they can really kind of get in rhythm and have their opportunities. And, and a weapon like Zay Flowers, he's man, he's special. He is special. He is fun to watch while he's here, and and really hope he gets a chance to kind of shine through in a few more games this fall, this fall before. Uh, you know, moving on to what comes next. But uh, in any case, Boston College 34, Louisville 33, pretty rough outing for Louisville. And I I, I think a firing is happening sooner than later if, if this is the game you're going to lose and lose it this way. So we will keep moving. Duke 38, Virginia 17. Uh, first of all, told you, Duke is good. Duke is legit good. And I, Virginia, again, a team that seemed like they had been able to move the ball. They struggled to move the ball in this game. Um, did not look great moving it at all. Uh, Brandon Armstrong has regressed, and some of that might be offensive line related. Some of it might be offensive scheme related. I don't know exactly what it is, but this Virginia offense was really pretty special last year in a lot of ways, and this year it is not. It is not special. They have struggled to finish drives. They've struggled to uh, keep possession of the ball at times. So, Two turnovers again in this game for Virginia. They were minus two as Duke did not turn the ball over. Duke might be uh, maybe a little bit unspectacular, but they are really fundamentally sound. They do not beat themselves. And when they don't beat themselves in this Coastal division right now, they're going to win a lot of games because these teams, the other teams in the Coastal will beat themselves for sure. Um, And so... Duke, again, ran the ball, ran the hell out of the ball in this game. Um, Jalen Coleman, 19 carries for 97 yards. Uh, Jacquez Moore with a 59-yard run in there. Riley Leonard added to the run game, nine carries, 59 yards and two scores. Uh, Jordan Waters, a little bit. He struggled at times, but uh, he did get in the end zone. So, I mean, good good afternoon, or I guess technically it was an evening. Good evening for the Duke Blue Devils. They continue to look good. They're 4-1. and one. Once again, they might be the best team in the Coastal. Um, they have games. They'll be at Georgia Tech this weekend, and then they get North Carolina at home, and then road trips to Miami and Boston College. So uh, they have they they will benefit, I guess, from uh, you know some some home games that they've had here. They've played three out of five so far at home, but uh, road trips coming up in three of their next four. So we'll see how well they they are able to go on the road and keep going. That, that Northwestern win, by the way, has not aged particularly great. Northwestern has, like, completely fallen apart. But um, even – I mean, last week going into going into Lawrence and almost beating Kansas and playing with them for a full 60 minutes, that was a good sign. And, and winning this game as convincingly as they did, they were up 21-7 to at halftime. I mean, again, Duke's just better than Virginia. This Virginia team is, is a little bit rough right now. Um, the, the way – you know, I, I don't have to go too far in on that, but – this is a this is kind of a, a reset year for for Tony Elliott and the staff. I, I don't know that it necessarily had to be. I, I mean, again, Brandon Armstrong and the receivers are back. The offensive line, obviously, as we said, I mean they they lost I think all five starters plus a couple of their top backups after last season. Sounds like there might have been some shenanigans on uh, you know what the outgoing staff was informing the players or recommending that they do. But um, in any case, I mean. I don't know. Virginia just Virginia struggling, and, and might take them a couple of years to get it going if they ever get it going. That's that's something you got to consider as well. So we'll see. Duke thirty eight, Virginia seventeen. I'll keep moving here. North Carolina forty one, Virginia Tech ten. Uh, woof, Virginia Tech. Woof. Uh, <laughs> North Carolina's defense has not really had a pulse all year. They have played shootouts and. Really, there was only like one section of the game, I guess, against Georgia State where it's like, oh, yeah, they look actually kind of decent. They got a few stops. Uh, They got stops all afternoon against Virginia Tech. (laughs) Grant Wells, not it, man. He is not it. He goes 16 to 26 for 139 and a pick in this game. Uh, He he was spelled at one point by Jason Brown, who comes in and goes four of nine for 35 yards. Um, They struggled to run the ball 35 times for 99 yards. This Virginia Tech offense is bad, man. It is bad. It's going to take some time for Brent Pry to re- rebuild this thing on offense into something that that actually can score points and can sustain a couple drives here or there. Uh, North Carolina, on the other hand, Drake May, uh, Drake May, uh, put it this way: both of the quarterbacks in this game are a problem. They are just very different types of problems. Grant Wells is a problem for Virginia Tech's offense. 
Drake May is a problem for opposing defenses. He goes 26 of 36 for 363, three touchdowns. Um, Josh Downs caught 180 yard, or 120 yards sorry, on eight receptions. He looked good. Drake May adding in the run game. Uh, got 73 yards and two scores on the ground, so he comes away with five touchdowns on the day. Um, just a really thorough outing by, by North Carolina coming out. Uh, first half drive chart, punt. Touchdown, 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 punt, field goal. So you had the ball six times and scored 24 points. That's pretty good. I'll take that. First three drives of the second half, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Like, absolutely ran away with this thing. Um, so i really impressed with North Carolina and that offense in particular. I don't know if the defense really holds up another week. It almost certainly does not. But Virginia Tech's offense is is in that kind of place right now that even North Carolina can get some stops on them. I, not fully in told you so mode yet on Virginia Tech, but look at the remaining schedule, and let's talk about how I said I think Virginia Tech goes about four and eight this year. And Mike thought I was absolutely insane for that. I might not have been that insane. I might not have been that insane. Um, at Pitt, Miami, at NC State, Georgia Tech, at Duke, at Liberty, home against Virginia. Who wins the Commonwealth Cup? I do not know. <laughs> I do not know, and it kind of makes my my head hurt to think about it. Uh, probably Virginia at this point, honestly. At least they can move the ball some, but who knows? Rivalry games get weird. North Carolina's 4-1. They are now 1-0 in conference, and I, I, I don't know if – we're going to find out a lot about them here in two weeks when they go and play Duke and Durham. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Kind of seems like that might be the game that tells us who's the best team in the Coastal, but that also might change pretty drastically within like three weeks. Who knows? So North Carolina 41, Virginia Tech 10. Last one here real quick before we get into some quick awards and then we get on out of here. Syracuse 59, Wagner nothing. Um, and I mean, the, the, the score not really that shocking, kind of what you expected. I mean, Wagner's 0-4 at the FCS level, so they're not any good. Um, Wagner only ran 38 plays on offense. Like that's not great. Syracuse. I think the stat line here is hilarious. Garrett Schrader goes 17 of 17 for 238 and two scores. He threw 17 passes. Every single one of them was caught by a Syracuse receiver. That's pretty impressive. Um, Syracuse just a thorough, thorough thrashing here. Um, I, I would give you Sean Tucker's stat line, but I, I don't want to ruin it. I, we are getting a report now coming in from um, the at Sean Tucker 2020 Twitter account, uh, which states Saturday we won Syracuse 59, Wagner 0. I'm pleased with the outcome of the game. Five wins and now a much needed bye week. I'm pleased with my performance, but with seven games left, I'm still working hard. The grind never stops. I rushed for 232 yards, three touchdowns, and two receptions for 15 yards. Hashtag pleased. Um, that uh, again, that report coming from amateur AP writer, Sean Tucker, recapping the game and his personal performance on Saturday. So credit to him. Uh, yeah, good win for Syracuse. Didn't mess around. Wagner, not good. Not good. Uh, previously had lost 66 to seven to Rutgers and a 20 point loss to St. Francis of Pennsylvania and a 17 point loss to Fordham. So, uh, that's the level of competition you were seeing there, but Syracuse dispatched him. Yeah, they just totally got rid of them or disposed of them, dispatched them, whatever. Syracuse 5-0, and and they're ranked. They are 22nd in the most recent AP poll that came out this week. So credit to them. And like I said, I mean, they might well be the fifth best team in the ACC. <laughs> I think that is very much on the table here um, as the Coastal Division is in a special state of disarray as only the Coastal can be in the final year of the division structure. So... Uh, hey, go ACC to that, and credit to Syracuse. Once again, 59 to nothing winners over Wagner. All right, let's do some awards here real quick. The go ACC moment of the week, let's start there. As um, Once again, a bit of a rough outing for the Pitt Panthers on, uh, on Saturday as they lose 26-21 to Georgia Tech. And when, when you lose as a three-touchdown favorite, and especially in the night game, I would say, 
uh, you get some some people maybe in their feelings, we'll say. And so this was, I know that Mike's not here right now, but uh, this was a, a special request from Mike that this in particular be the uh, Go ACC moment of the week. Uh, we had a loyal listener from uh, a, who is a Pittsburgh fan who had some choice words for us, I'll say. Um, <laughs> basically, Mike made a joke, uh, or, or sorry, Another loyal listener, Hobie Webster, a Pitt fan, basically said something to the effect of, I'm, I'm unsubscribing from all the college football podcasts at this point, um, as, as he was frustrated that Pitt lost. We said, hey, the Pitt jokes would be funny, to which got a reply from one of our Pitt listeners, a longtime listener, by the way. Um, Go F yourselves. Pitt won the whole damn conference last year, and you never gave him credit once. Every game you talk about how the other team messed up, go listen to the conference championship recap episode and tell me you didn't talk more about Wake than Pitt. Woo! Choice words indeed. Um, reads like we might have been several bourbons deep. It's okay. We, we, we feel that. It's been there. No worries. No hard feelings. We get it. We get it. And if you think, well, you know, these guys talk about things that kind of go crazy in the ACC quite a bit. I mean, podcast is called Basketball Conference for a reason. It's not because there's just a wealth of ultra high level football being played every single week in this conference. We'll say that to say the least. Um, so, yeah, go ACC to that. The go ACC moment of the week is people getting in their feelings on Twitter. I will not narc out said listener, um, but I think they uh, they know who they are. And I, I, I don't know. I'm guessing by giving this award, we will find out if they're still listening or not. So, hey, if you are, sh- hey, shout out. We, we still love you. We still believe in you. So uh, we hope you still join us. The uh, Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award goes to the Louisville defense. Has to. Uh, my goodness. A Boston College offense that has done almost nothing for like a month now. And uh, they, they were just hitting big play after big play. They, they really put out a, a highlight tape for Zay Flowers in the NFL draft next year. They give up 34 points, a bunch of big plays left and right. Um, really, if, you, if that was the only game that you had watched so far this year, uh, you would think that Boston College has a pretty high-powered big play offense. So far, that couldn't be further from the truth, but it was the case on Saturday. So credit to the Louisville defense, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award winners of this week. All right. Uh, team of the week. Um, I, I I was really impressed once again with Wake Forest. I thought they played a really, really good game in, in, in a really tough spot once again. I mean, getting up off the deck uh, the way that they did after a, a heartbreaking full 60-minute loss to Clemson the week before in overtime and then going on the road to Tallahassee and getting that win the way that they did and being as convincing as they were. Um, really credit to them. They're my co-team of the week. And then, of course, how could I forget my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? Getting the win for Brent Key. Um, Brent Key now officially undefeated as Georgia Tech's head coach. Uh, I think that is a stat that will continue to be the case for literally several hours and days, even. Um, so we will uh, we'll keep you tuned here, at, uh, keep you updated as something changes there. But yeah, teams of the week: Wake Forest and Georgia Tech with a couple of big wins, and uh, both as underdogs. So credit to them for getting those wins. Player of the week. Um, I mean, I don't know. Kind of hard to pick here. Uh, big Cinco came up in big moments for Clemson on Saturday night. I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. A couple of rushing touchdowns, a couple of big moments there. Drake May just absolutely shredded Virginia Tech's defense. And that's a pretty decent Virginia Tech defense, but just had no answers for Drake May. Uh, he scores five touchdowns on the day. Um, Hassan Hall coming up with 157 yards on the ground for Georgia Tech against that Pittsburgh defense. So, um, credit to those guys. And, of course, Zay Flowers, 151 yards and two scores through the air for Boston College against Louisville. Um, just a few of the really big-time performances we saw from guys this weekend. And credit, by the way, to, once again, I'll, I'll take a couple liberties. It's my podcast. Uh, Charlie Thomas uh, played one half of football, comes up with two turnovers, seven tackles. Um, I thought he was really, really impressive for a guy who um, only got a few drives on the field. He made a massive impact for Georgia Tech and helped him win that game. So credit to that guy as well. All right, I think that's all I got on week five. Um, once again, Mike, you know he'll be back. We'll, we'll do a proper preview for week six here, uh, probably on Wednesday. I don't think we have any weeknight action this week. We do not. Um, 
but we do have another really full slate of ACC games. Uh, we have seven games coming up this next weekend. Almost all are ACC conference-on-conference conference action. Um, a, a lot more high-level matchups as well. Uh, we've got Florida State and NC State. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, North Carolina and Miami and Virginia Tech Pitt going to be interesting for positioning in the Coastal Division. So keep it tuned here. We will get you ready for all things Week 6 here in the coming days. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all the places you go find your podcast. We're also on YouTube now. And we don't have a proper URL for our YouTube channel, but if you go to YouTube, search for Basketball Conference, we are starting to post some video podcasts there. We have, I'll, I'll check the actual number here, but we we have something like 32, 36, 30-some subscribers right now. We need to get to 100 subscribers on YouTube. And if we do that, then, and only then, will they give us a specialized uh, a specialized URL for our channel. So we don't have to tell you just, oh yeah, just go search for us. We could actually give you a proper URL if we get to 100 subscribers. That's your goal. That's your job if you are listening to this right now and you are not subscribed to our podcast on YouTube. You are not one of the 32 current subscribers that we have. Go do that. Go get on your phone. Go get your, your parents' phone, your wife's phone, your kid's phone, whatever. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go find Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast on YouTube. We're posting our, our episodes there. There's a lot of cool video editing, too, going on. That uh, Shout out to Producer Scott. This will probably be posted there. Um, he is currently uh, out of town for like a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, I don't know how much this one will be edited here in the uh, immediate future, but um, those videos are coming. They're, they're tracking locks and, and picks that we make every week and, and showing our record and everything like that. So, Go find our videos and our channel on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Smash the like, I think is what the, the kids are saying on, on YouTube these days. So maybe do that too. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, I think that's all I got. I, think, I don't think I missed anything. But, you know, if I did, again, please reach out on Twitter. Let us know what we missed, what we forgot about. Um, I, again, I'm just one man. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm one man. I'm a father. I'm trying to do everything and, and keep the content mill rolling. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But anyways... All right. Well, until next time, when we come back and preview week six, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Until then, go ACC. Go ACC.